0: Show you a better way. Hi folks, this is Jack Spearco with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is July the 25th, 2017. This episode 2050 of the Survival Podcast. That just seems crazy, doesn't it? There we're up to 2050, 2050 episodes of TSP. It's a Tuesday, so it's a just Jack show. Yesterday, I or last yesterday, last Tuesday, I gave you kind of a back to basics show. In a way, uh, we talked about how to jug fish. We went to a very uh, skills based episode. Today, I want to do that again with more of a philosophical, old school show. How old school? Well, the last time I actually broke this topic out into an individual talk topic was in I think May of 2012. It was uh, no April of 2012, episode 874. Uh, in April of 2012, and it was called The Great Lie of Dichotomy. And being an originalist, I have simply called today's show A Current Look at The Great Lie of Dichotomy. So well over uh, a 1,000 episodes, well over 1,500 episodes between these two, and we'll examine this concept today, and nothing has really changed about it other than maybe my view of it and my understanding of it and the way that I'll explain it. But the lie of dichotomy has been in existence for a long time. Before we get into the show, um, uh, or, you know, as kind of a preamble here to the show, I'll give you something to think about before we go through the housekeeping. The great lie of dichotomy can be summed up in something that happened in the 1980s. It was called the Pepsi Challenge. The Pepsi Challenge. And, and what happened was Coke was really beating the brains out of Pepsi. Pepsi was starting to make some gains, but, you know, Coke was king. And Coke had always been king. And Pepsi thought, you know, being number two is okay, but it would be better to be number one. They came up with this concept called the Pepsi Challenge. And what they did is they gave people a very small amount of Pepsi and a very small amount of Coke in two separate little glasses and a blind taste test. And said, what do you prefer? And, of course, the ones they showed were all of the people who said they were Coke drinkers and they always preferred Coke. And a huge portion of them, a significant majority, would pick Pepsi. Now, there's actually a reason that worked. There's a reason that worked. And I'll give you the reason, but it's not really the point, okay? But it's important that you know the reason. Because it also shows how dichotomies can be used to manipulate people. So, Pepsi was sweeter and more sugar in it. It was that simple. And if you'd given the average Coke drinker two glasses, iced-down glasses that were full and let them have several drinks of each, they would have inevitably probably preferred the Coke because it was what they were accustomed to. As Coke found out when they tried new Coke soon after that, this whole thing started and you know nearly destroyed their own company. Okay, But when they only had a little tiny taste, probably not it completely iced down either, the instinct of the human being was to go toward the sweeter one. Especially if they're a person that routinely consumes things like cola's. So that's why it worked. And it worked dramatically well as a marketing piece. However, the entire concept was your choices are Coke and Pepsi. You know, there's a whole bunch of other sugary water crap drinks out there, but there's lots of water and tea and coffee and juice and beer and rum and whiskey. and I, So there's a million different things you can drink. But the presentation was you have to pick between these two. Now, you might think that doesn't apply to the broader things in life. It most certainly does. And we'll get into that in just a bit. Before we do, let's hear from our two sponsors of the day. One of my favorite people I get to work with at TSP is Chef Keith Snow of HarvestEating.com. Chef Keith can teach you to cook fantastic meals, develop a great food storage program, and more. He is also the source of my favorite line of spices and seasoning mixes that I use in all my weekly cooking. Check out his products, great blog, and podcast at HarvestEating.com. Hey, business owners, would you like the ability to reach more than 100,000 TSP community members for as little as $5 a year? If so, consider advertising your business in the TSP Business Directory. A listing in our directory shows your support of the community and a commitment to value-for-value value exchange with other members. To find something or to be found, just check out the directory at tspbiz.com. That's tspbiz.com dot com to learn more. Next up, let's take a look at the year that was. The year that was this year is the year 31 A.D., and we see government doing what it does best, killing people. Um, even when you think the bad guy is caught, bad stuff continues, as the uh, the soap opera that is ancient Rome uh, will show us today. I have one segment today from David Vern at TSP Wiki for the year 31. The purges will continue until morale improves. Sinjanus has been appointed as co-counsel of Tiberius and continues convicting and executing his opponents in Rome. Several conspirators managed to get several letters to Tiberius outlining how much Sinjanus was usurping his power. Enraged at Sinjanus' betrayal, Tiberius wrote a letter to be read to a session of the Senate attended by Sinjanus. The beginning of the letter went on and on about administrative business but suddenly veered into a denunciation of St. Janus and a call for his trial and execution on charges of treason. The Senate didn't need any encouragement and the Praetorians didn't do anything. The didn't do anything to help their prefect as Tiberius had sent them a letter informing them that St. Janus was replaced. He was found guilty and strangled to death. Riots broke out as the populace, who had suffered heavily from his purges, Tore his body into pieces and killed any of Syngenus' allies they could find. Lavilla, the former wife of Tiberius's son Drusus, who had helped Syngenus murder Drusus, was reported to Tiberius by a slave. Tiberius turned her over to her mother, who imprisoned and starved her to death. My take by David Verne the treason trials would continue under Tiberius, who would seek to kill anyone associated with Syngenus. The people convicted in these trials were not allowed to be buried. Anyone attempting to do so was executed. You would get executed for burying somebody. Think about that. And the bodies were left in piles rotting. Men, women, and children were all caught up in the madness. And the last years of his reign will solidify his reputation as a cruel tyrant. Sounds a lot like things that have happened throughout history. One of the more recent episodes that was very similar to this would have been in the 70s when Ba'athist Saddam Hussein rose to power in Iraq and had people hauled out during his, his ascension, just just had p- called people out and just had them drug out and executed. And that's not Saddam bad, America good. That's just government. That's what government does. That's what government left unchecked does. And that's why our founders did put some checks on this government. And I'll tell you what, without those checks, we'd like to believe that we don't do this stuff because we're Americans. We don't do this stuff because we have a system that in some way puts limits on how much abuse we can commit on our own people. Government is force, and those in power will use force to maintain power. And they'll use as much of it in general as they can get away with. My thoughts by Jack Spierko. All right, folks, I want to remind you about the Survival Podcast Member Support Brigade today. That's a great way that you can support the show and get a return of investment. We offer discounts to over 60 vendors. There's a lot of video content that you can't get anywhere else. We do video all of our workshops from this point going forward. There's hours of video on our workshops in there for MSB members only, and yes, you can download them. Every episode of the Survival Podcast ever produced in convenient zip files, so you can start with episode one and binge out all the way up to episode 2000 and beyond very, very soon. That's all available, and it's all available for a cost that comes down to $50 a year. And you can try the membership out for as little as $5 a month. If you have not yet become a member, please consider supporting the show as a Support Brigade member today. All right, guys, so I'm kind of actually excited about today's show because it's a topic that I love to discuss. I actually think, in spite of some of the the negative things I'll say about what this can do to you when you first figure it out toward the middle, toward the end of the show today... Um, I actually think it is one of the easier ways to red pill somebody, if you want to use that term. I think that when you try to convince somebody that, hey, my side is right, or you should be a a voluntarist or an anarchist or at least a libertarian or something like that, or even if you're more conservative, that you're like small government or you're more progressive and you're you're trying to convince somebody that, hey, you know, we do need to take care of people, but maybe you have a less governmental way to do it, um, no matter where you are in that spectrum and your walk toward total freedom of your mind um, getting people to start taking the walk with you this is probably the easiest way to get them there because it's such a clear cut thing when it comes to you know, showing people how illogical the current mentality of people is and I can kind of sum it up with what happens to me often on Facebook, I'll post something I'll post something on Facebook. And some of you that really know me and have listened to this show for a long time, you'll get a real chuckle out of this. What I'll hear from somebody that's totally outraged by whatever I posted in my opinion of it is something like, I'm a liberal Democrat snowflake that needs a safe space. Okay? But in the same comment thread, I will hear from someone who says, I am a hateful conservative Republican that is too stupid and greedy to care about people. In the same posting, in the exact same posting, I'll be personally attacked. Sometimes I don't even put much of my opinion and I'll still get that because I dared post in the first place and it challenged the views of both sides. And what they're saying is, hey, hey, if you disagree with me and I've decided it's us and them, you must be them. No matter how diametrically opposed your position is to whoever them is, Right, Or in the famous words of Willie Nelson, Willie Nelson one time was asked, Willie, if they told you you couldn't make music anymore, what would you do next? And he said, well, if I could have figured out who they were, I would have killed them a long time ago. Okay, So no matter how opposed you are, if you're Willie Nelson, if I knew who they were, I would have killed them a long time ago, you're still one of them because you're not one of us. It's either us or them. That is the very definition of a dichotomy. And I thought what would be interesting, I talked about this a little bit yesterday, but I thought what would be interesting is I'm going to play, it's about a minute and a half of video. I'm going to play the audio for you, obviously. And it is this gal, uh, calls herself the philosopher on YouTube, that has a video called Taxation is Theft. She is an Asian girl, not that that really matters, but it will when I get into the response to it. It will help you to understand that now and she does a, she makes a very good case here for the concept that taxes is theft. And I want to ask you before I play this. I don't want you to be the person that I'm about to read the comments on the video from. I don't want you to worry about whether you even agree with the premise or not. I simply want you to listen to the case and if you want to object to it, I want to talk about what we talked about yesterday with the pyramid of how you respond to something you disagree with. And then at the top of that pyramid is the refutation of the central argument. And then it progresses downward. And there's some good stuff in the middle, but by the bottom you get to add hominin and name-calling. Think about that when I come back. So here we go. This is the philosopher and her thoughts on why taxation is theft.
1: What makes sex not rape? Consent. What makes a job not slavery? Consent. What makes a transaction not robbery? You guessed it, consent. Now, what makes taxation not theft? Hmm, oh I know. Imagination. Taxation is theft. If this statement triggers you, then let's take a look at why I would say such a bold statement. Taxation is money taken by force, regardless of manifested consent. Taxes are levied on every person just for existing. Live on land, property taxes. Buy something, sales tax. Sell something, capital gains tax. Work for someone, income tax. And then there's all the taxes for air transportation, biodiesel fuel, building permits, business registration, cigarettes, court fines, dog license, driver's license, unemployment, fishing license, food and beverage license, garbage, gasoline, gifts, gun ownership, health insurance, hunting license, inheritance, liquor, marriage license, schools, license, license. It doesn't matter that the money may be used for things that a person wants. It would be no different than someone coming into your house, stealing your money to go buy a lawn mower and then coming back and mowing your lawn. The fact of the matter is, is that taxation was always placed upon people without actually having the opportunity to elect into the goods and services that are forced upon them. Taxes should be eliminated. The state shouldn't receive funding through extorting you and your family. Nobody should be able to. Goods and services should not be provided at the barrel of a gun. The state should compete for your money like everyone else. Taxation is theft. It's time to bring the oppressive system of taxation down and make support of the government selective and voluntary.
0: Okay, now I want you to think about what I said about ad hominem and name-calling, okay? And how that is the furthest way away from actually refuting an argument. And again, I want you to suspend whether you agree with what you just heard or not. I want you to only focus on the concept of false dichotomy, which is being given two choices, as though there are no third, fourth, fifth, sixth. It's a fallacy in itself, Okay? And I want you to think about the fact that when a person can't actually refute with a logic-reasoned, well-apportioned argument, that they by default will always resort to ad hominem and name-calling. Okay, Think about that as I read this response. This came from Christine. I didn't even actually post this video. Somebody else like rolled it up into a... A a kind of a a Facebook specific video, and then shared it. I think it was a being libertarian shared it, and and so then I shared their post. And this is what Christine says. And I want you to know something. Christine is a lovely person. She's actually an intel. She's not going to sound very intelligent here, but she's actually an intelligent person. This is because of something called cognitive dissonance. But here was her response. Really. Who's paying for all those public roads, bridges, highways, schools, courts, prisons, military defenses, police, public health and safety? Just too much to list. What a stupid bitch. Go move to whatever third world country and dig yourself a dung, mud, or grass hut and live like an uncivilized animal. You want to live in a civilized society? Then you pay taxes to protect your freedoms and way of life. She must be another demo libtard that's always crying about sharing the wealth but not the work. Protect their rights and freedom but then pisses all over the flag. And then somebody said to her, apparently you're not paying enough, Christine. And Christine says, I'm paying my fair share, which is more... ...than what a lot of moochers pay and to whom much of my taxes are supporting, but I'll pay it and be grateful, all caps. I live in a country that has this system in place and takes care of its needy. We just need to crack down on the fraudulent ones. Her people migrated to this country for a reason but then their spoiled, Americanized, liberalized children bitch about its system, so maybe she should try going back to fucking communist China, where she would be locked up in prison for airing governmental grievances on their state-controlled internet. How's that for stealing just your basic human rights? That's why I pay taxes, and that's why America is great. Um, You listen to that. And it's unbelievable. Um, And then further down, I want to read one more of her rants so you can kind of really get it driven home. Well, who do you think builds all these things? Where do these funds come from? Do you think it's just by magic or donor money that builds these things? Yes, we must pay taxes. However, other countries just refuse to let you own land or businesses to be taxed. Uh, on because it's already belongs to their government. Do you really think taxes should be voluntary and make up your own amount that you want to pay? Do you think that would work? I actually do, but hold on. I know you can't really believe that. I actually do. This is reality. I don't know what other reality you're talking about. This is a free country, and you're free to leave any time, unlike other countries that would call it escaping or defecting. But like the saying goes, freedom is not free. If you choose to be here, there are requirements and laws of the land. So if you decide to stay but not pay the dues this freedom costs, then you're stealing from the people who have to pay more to make up the difference. So if you don't pay taxes and you stay here, you're stealing from the people who do pay taxes. That's your position. Now look, there's a, there's a tremendous number of fallacies in, in this entire line of thinking. I would say the straw man, special pleading, um, false cause ad hominem, definitely... Uh, Begging the question, appeal to authority, um, anecdotal, appeal to emotion, uh, burden of proof, um, I would say um, those are probably the ones that most spring to mind for me, right? Uh, That and being outraged, right? Since I'm offended, then it must be wrong. But I kind of want to just point out something that... If if right now I fall into the trap of of trying to to respond to all of those things as to why I still believe tax is theft and how none of that actually refudiates the argument, what I'm ignoring is the actual point that I want to make, false dichotomy. So this young woman lays out a very well-reasoned case that taking people's money or property without their consent is theft. Because it is consent alone that makes a transaction or interaction valid. Only through consent do you have a valid, legitimate transaction. That is the thing. The reality is Christine here acts completely... Because I'm telling you, if you met this person, she's not a complete idiotic moron, which is what she sounds like in that response. A vengeful, hateful moron is what she... She's not. And many of us have sounded that way ourselves because we're so angry about something and it's because of a discomfort in our head called cognitive dissonance. And letting the issue go, the concept there was very, very clear. Well, I'm a conservative Republican. I believe in small government. And anybody that opposes me is a libtard Democrat progressive communist. And not only will I attack them for that, I will will attack their ethnicity. I will tell them basically a version of go to Somalia, right? Go to whatever third world shithole you want and build... Because that's what people say when you say anything like this, we'll move to Somalia. Not a well-reasoned... Now, again, when people act like that, if you're aware of the fact that it's not a dichotomy, there's not a left and right only. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. In fact, the extreme left of socialism, the extreme right of fascism, are actually the same thing. They're not on on, on opposing ends of the spectrum. They're on the same end with different marketing. One markets global collectivism, and one markets national collectivism, bent on global domination, which is still global collectivism. If you you understand that, this makes no sense at all, unless you ask yourself, why? If we ask ourselves, why are people programmed this way? And how are people programmed this way? And why it works, and why it works so well, it all becomes very clear. So let's start out with how we've been programmed to think this way since birth. It is actually basic human innate behavior, okay? You're a baby. You look at something. You don't know what it is. You touch it. It's soft and it feels good. It's good. You touch it, it's hot and it burns your hand, it's bad. This is how we walk through life. We, we make determinations about everything that we encounter. And we often make determinations about an entire class of a thing from one interaction with a thing. Tell me you don't know people who maybe when they were a child, the first time they ever encountered a dog, it bit them or attacked them or scared them, didn't even get to bite them, but they thought they were going to get bit and they don't like dogs. I mean, you, you understand what I'm saying? like So that is hardwired into the human psyche. It's a survival mechanism. And it's it's kind of like a reptilian level. And the important thing as human beings to evolve is we have to evolve beyond that reptilian level. And people that fancy themselves to be deep intellectuals actually behave very much at that reptilian level. Good and bad. It's It's the same concept of why it was so... Obvious that our first computing languages would become binary, come from binary coding and still are today, on and off. This is how it works. So we teach our children using this basic concept in school. You're right or you're wrong. You might get partial credit, but then you were right at this part and wrong with that part. There's no third option. There's no third option. If you think about the way children are graded in schools, where they're trained in schools, it's on or off. In your your little cliques in government school, you're either accepted or you're not. He's either your friend or your enemy. Or you don't know him at all. Once you actually know somebody, they fall into a category for you. Person you want to be around, person you don't want to be around. We get older and more sophisticated. We have different levels of people, don't we? people I really want to be around, people I'm okay being around, people I don't want to be around, and people that I'll be around for specific purposes only. But yet we don't seem to evolve that concept into the greater things in life. And it's done because it works so well. Because if you want to control society, if you want to control society, you need a divided society. You need a divided society and you need an authority that can go after either side and have the other side cheer. You have to have that at all times. So you lose control. You lose control. You have to have something where people will, will will apply a different set of standards under the same circumstances to different people based on which side they're on. So that if one politician does something, oh, it's no big deal. The other politician does it, they should be locked up. He said, well, there's a difference. Because you think I'm talking about a specific thing. You think I'm talking about Hillary's emails. Gee, how did I know that? Because it's a dichotomy, that's why. It's not what I was thinking about at all. It's not what I was thinking about at all. I was thinking about Sin and Tiberius that we talked about today. But as soon as I said it, I went, I know what they're going to think. Oh, but see, Trump meeting with the Russian people, there's a difference there, I admit it. That's not the point. How many times have there been things that the right has blown completely out of proportion about a, a, a leftist, and vice versa, tons of times. And you see the sheep line up for both sides to defend their wolf, who will eat them and prey upon their children. Because it works. Because human beings crave two things above all else. Simplicity and verification that they're right. They want a very simple choice, and once they've made it, they want confirmation that they're right. More than anything else in the world, I'm telling you. That's why a kid gives a shit if they get an A versus a B. Because you know what? Your A versus your B on one test in second grade doesn't mean jack, diddly, squat. It never will. It never ever will, and any belief that ever will is a delusion or a lie or both. You know, did you get a gold star, Johnny? Yeah, yay! Because it's validation. Validate me, validate me! And this natural disposition to desire simplicity in our lives, in the standpoint of our choices, and validation that we're correct, is harnessed by a what we would call a programming factory. Most people call it a school system. It's a programming factory. And even if the people running that programming factory don't mean for it to produce the perfect cogs and sprockets for the system that is our neo-fascist state. They do. Because I think most people in academia academia are really striving to produce students who come out leaning left or going all the way left. I think that most schools are set up and designed to create leftist children. If you just look at the curriculum, you look at the way that they're taught, you'll show me an exception here and there. But in general, most teachers vote Democrat. They've chosen that side of the dichotomy. But it doesn't work. Do you ever notice that? For all the fear that the right has that their children are being brainwashed by the left in academia, in the end, you still end up with almost a perfect split. The same two students go to the same curriculum at the same college, with all the liberal bullshit and one comes out a more staunch conservative than they went in or they go in a liberal and they come out a freaking conservative in spite of being told what they wanted to hear why? because they're influenced by so many other things in their lives and in the end if you give people a choice where neither side is really that much different in practice only in marketing principles you're going to end up with an almost perfect split Because sooner or later, they're going to run into the things for them that are no-goes. And those no-goes will override all of the things that they agree with about with one side. You're going to come up to the point where a person makes a decision on something like abortion. And they're going to come down. If they go between those two choices and they're opposed to it, they're going to come down on the right. If 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 that's their issue that they truly believe in. Or if they come down on on right to choice, they're going to come down on the left. Because no matter what, I can't go the other way here. And a lot of times the decisions aren't cut and dry. They just appear to be. So a person that really, like their thing is we should take care of the poor. That's their thing. Above all things that person can actually come down on the right or the left depending on the method by which they think is best for taking care of the poor. And that is going to be directly applicable to all of the methods that they know that are even available to take care of the poor. But if a person thinks that as a society we should be mandated to take care of the poor, if that's their overriding belief, no matter how much they believe in the Second Amendment, they're going to come down on the left in general. And once they come down on that side, because they seek validation, they will do everything they can to accept all the other things that come with being on that side because are one or two hot-button emotional issues that they've grounded themselves on, that they may or may not be correct about in the first place, will require that they do to fit in and get along with the group. Because the person that wants to take that away must be an evil bastard, And therefore, even the things that I agree with them on, I no longer agree with them on because I must have been wrong and misinformed about that. Or there's ways to do that and still have my side be the mafia boss in charge. And if you want to control people, that's what you have. And what you end up with when you do it perfectly, and we've done it perfectly, is what I call the monkeys policing the monkeys. There's an old story. I don't know if it's actually true or if it's just urban legend, but it makes perfect sense and it would probably work, even if it's not true. The story is that there's researchers and they want to understand how monkeys think. So they take a pole. At the top of the pole, they put some bananas. Monkeys climb up and get the bananas. So the monkeys get their bananas for a while, and then one day when the monkeys go up to get their bananas, they take an ice-cold, high-pressure fire hose and they spray the monkeys off the pole, and there's like four monkeys in in the cage. After about ten times of having their ass soaked down with freezing cold high pressure water, the monkeys go, no, 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 no more bananas. They're not nah I, I know what you're doing. Uh uh-uh. uh. They're not that stupid, right? They're they're pretty smart creatures. So they just like they, you know, like put 20 bananas up there and shit, and the monkeys are like, uh uh-huh, uh, man. So they know they've got the monkeys so the where the monkeys have figured this out. They take one monkey away, they put a new monkey in. He looks up, sees all the bananas, goes, oh! shit bananas he goes hauling ass up that pole well, the other three monkeys grab him hold him down beat him and won't let him go up the pole until he submits he submits now the first first the three monkeys that are doing the the holding down they have a valid reason for not going up that pole the new monkey doesn't know what that reason is at all he has no idea his reason for not going is his other monkeys beat his ass if he tries that's his, that's his reason for it. And they wait until that monkey submits and no longer attempts to go get the bananas. They take another one of the original monkeys out, and the same thing happens. And they do this again until they have four monkeys in there, and only one has ever experienced the hose. And once the other three have completely submitted to the new organization, they take that last monkey that's original away and they put a new monkey in. New monkey does what? Goes for the pole. And if that monkey could actually talk, if they actually have linguistics like we understood, and says, hey, there's bananas up there. And the other three monkeys say, hey, look, if you go up there, you're going to get sprayed with water. And that monkey says, hey, have you ever gotten sprayed with water? No. How do you know? Well, these last monkeys told us. What monkeys? Well, you never met them. They used to be here. How long has this been? Like a month. So we don't know whether we're still going to get a spirit of water if we go up there. I want to try. No, you can't. Now you'd like to believe that humans would behave above that level, and you, we know that monkeys. This is not Disney. Monkeys are behaving below that level. They have simply determined that this is what you do. But see, we're actually we're actually behaving not even at the level of the, the Disney monkeys we are actually behaving at the level, the basal level of the real monkey. Because all the other monkeys on our side say, that's bad, it must be bad. We have no real way to know. Most of us have never actually engaged in deep intellectual intellect. Now, I know many of you have, but I'm talking about the society, have not engaged in deep intellectual examination of any of these concepts, nor have they actually done any of the things. You know, when I and even when somebody's right, they don't know that they're right. I can't tell you how many people I've heard parrot the line when they're talking about a politician. Well, he's never signed the front side of a paycheck. That's a completely valid point when somebody says, well, I'm going to create jobs as a politician. How are you going to create jobs? You never even created a job. You've never ran payroll for one employee. But the person parroting it has also never signed the front side of a paycheck. doesn't mean they're wrong, but what are they basing it on? And have they actually critically examined whether it's right? I actually believe that's right. Now, I have signed the front side of paychecks. I have run payroll. I've had to examine books and say, are we going to make payroll next week? Even when it wasn't 100% my company, but still, I'm kind of like in the shit over this if it doesn't work. I remember sitting and looking at, we're going to have to pay 2,000 contractors and 50 employees And running a financial burn rate with our CFO and going, is this going to work? So that makes it a little more real to me. But does that mean that I know how to create jobs? What it probably means is I have a better understanding or fundamental understanding on how to create jobs or how to build businesses or how to manage finance and economics than someone that hasn't done that. It doesn't mean that I'm a master at it. But see, when I make that statement, I know that. When the person that heard the talking head DJ, shot jock, right-wing talking head, they heard them say it, there's a good chance that person's never made payroll for anybody either. That they may be paid by a station, and they talk like it's their operation, but it isn't. Some of them, it is their operation. The big guys, Hannity, Limbaugh, those guys... Like them or not, they, Gladbeck, they run their own business units. They pay for airtime. They have their own staffs that they pay. They collect their own advertising revenues and they have advertising share revenue agreements with stations and they actually make payroll. But a lot of the guys that you're, that people are hearing that from in their, you know, in the second market, second tier markets or in the first tier markets that are employees of the station that are not syndicated and are not running that level, those guys have never made a payroll. They've never run a business. So you have a parrot of a parrot that's parroting a parrot of nothingness and convinced that it makes them right. See, and that's the point of, of getting away from, from from fallacies. Even if you're right, just the fact that someone else who you think has authority said it doesn't make it right. You have to actually examine the underlying principles to determine when it's, whether it's right or not. It's difficult it requires work. It requires effort. Effort, And it requires letting go of the concept of simplicity. That if we just did this or that, everything would be fine. That everything would be a utopia. And I'll, I'll tell you, that's why most people don't do it. Because they don't want the discomfort that comes with that. You, you know who you'll never hear talk about, we would have it perfect, it would all be a utopia? Anarchists and voluntarists. It's always... People that are stuck in the dichotomy that bring that up. You'll be talking to a conservative, even a very libertarian-leaning conservative. And if you talk about voluntarism and they finally figure out that actually means, that's code for anarchy, and I don't really know what anarchy is, but I know I'm supposed to be against it. They'll say, well, like, you know, it would be great if we could have our little anarchist utopia. Well, what anarchist ever told you that if we had an anarchist-based system or a voluntarist-based system, that it would be utopia. Show me one person who's ever made that claim. Everything would be perfect. Well, you can't. I don't know of one. I don't know of any. Certainly not me. Certainly not my buddy, Vin Armani. Certainly not like kind of the extremist anarchist like Larkin Rose. Makes a lot of valid points, kind of extremist. Certainly not the kind of philosopher that actually claims to be an anarchist and leans kind of right, Stefan Malmue, right? Not really, I've not heard him. I've not heard any well-spoken, well-articulated anarchist, voluntarist, or even true libertarian make the case that if we did this, it would be perfect, only that it might be better and it might be worth exploring. But then we have to start asking what if, and we have to start taking personal responsibility. And we have to start realizing that the way we've lived might have been wrong, and that's very uncomfortable. And that's what makes it so effective. Not only is it easy to program somebody, it's difficult to deprogram them because the mind resists from, from both perception and confirmation bias, but the ego and the id resist. Because it's uncomfortable to admit that you were wrong. And the ego and the super ego have convinced you that you're doing the right thing for the right reasons. And that inner peace, the id, has found solace and comfort that the freaking ego and super ego know what the hell they're doing. And now you want to mess it all up and screw it all up. And now I'm going to have to think. And now I'm going to have to figure out how to do these things that are important to me without... One of two choices. Let's go back to the concept of taxation is theft. Let's not get lost in it too deeply. But let's imagine this, even if you don't agree. Let's imagine that you're willing to take a actual view of this from if you take somebody's money without their consent, it's theft. Is that true? If you take something from somebody without their consent, and they rightfully acquired it. It's theft. If you said yes, then whether you're willing to actually take the next step or admit it or not, what you're conceding is taxes theft. What you're, you're, you're what you're actually saying in all your attempts to refudiate that is taxes necessary theft. Since I can't see how we could possibly do all the things that we do in a modern civilized society without taxes then it's necessary. You can make that argument with me. I'll even concede that you might be correct. And that even if we can get to a place that's totally voluntary, I would concede that we could not do that tomorrow morning. That this would have to be an evolution over time and a decoupling from the current system. But that doesn't prove it's not theft. That proves that we built the system on theft And if we take theft away from it, the system will break and have to evolve differently. So then it brings us to the moral quandary of, if tax is theft, how do we eliminate as much of it as possible? And then this is where it gets uncomfortable. Because a lot of you are going, "Uh uh-huh, and the head's bobbing up and down, until we actually start talking about what we would eliminate. Let's think about what's going on with Obamacare right now. So the Senate is voting whether or not to proceed with the bill. Now, if they vote to proceed with the bill, uh, what's his name? Chuckie Schumer is up there right now. People will die. And, uh, millions of people will win. Like, it's all going to just be whatever it is. Where if they vote to proceed, they'll go to conference with the House. That all has to be resolved. And then both sides have to vote again on the final version for it to actually go to the president. So the, the Senate could throw this back to the House. And if they can't reconcile it and still get the votes they need then it, it doesn't really mean anything. And you'd list, if you listen to him talk today, you'd swear this is a guy that's been a senator forever, but doesn't know how the legislative process works. Well, he does know. He just assumes you don't. He just assumes you don't. Well, there's also a second measure. There's a very thin bill. And all it does is it removes the employee, or I'm sorry, the individual and employer mandates. So if you don't want health insurance, you don't have to buy it. And if you don't have the money or don't want to cover your workers, you don't have to. That's it. You don't have to get a special waiver like all the companies like Walmart got from Obama. You can just say, I don't do health insurance. So there's no mandate for employers and no mandate for individuals. And there's wailing and gnashing of teeth, not just by the left, but by the right. Oh, my God. Even Fox News is like, "But how would we ever... You know, keep it working if we took that away because it's the people that, that don't use it that actually fund it, which is, you know, what nobody wants to tell you. Just Examine that for a second. For an insurance product to be sustainable, more people have to not use it than use it. So health insurance can never do what everybody wants it to do. It can't. doesn't work. It just doesn't work that way. Math says so. Economics say so. But everybody's net But what will happen? Okay, I want you to think back. Not that long ago, big case before the United States Supreme Court. Everybody on the right, woo woo woo, like the old Arsenio, uh, Arsenio Hall show, wanting to see it happen. What was the contention that the the mandate was unconstitutional? And you couldn't find a single person on the right that didn't think that was true. And didn't want the Supreme Court to come back with a verdict of it's unconstitutional and therefore shoot it down. Now it would have repealed all of Obamacare. All it would have done is say you can't have these mandates, they're unconstitutional. You can't force someone to buy something they don't want to buy. Now the way the court got around that has said, well, it really it's a tax. The government is just choosing where they have you send the revenue instead of directly to them. They're having you send it to a company. By the way, we call that fascism. Just so you know, that's national socialism at its finest. I'm just saying, okay. Um, I know you want to argue that, but I'm sorry, that's what it is, and that's what they said. And and the right went mentally apeshit. They screamed, they nasty, and I was like, I said, John Roberts screwed the American people over. I I still think that his day he was paid off. In some way, for his decision. Or maybe they found his, he found his own suicide note. I don't know. But it makes no sense that John Roberts came down on that side of that issue. None. Based on all his other opinions, it doesn't make any sense. And I thought it was wrong, too. Okay, But now the same people that were begging for that to happen are like, well, we, we can't just repeal the mandate. Why not? That's what you wanted a couple years ago. You see how easily led someone is? How can you hold those two positions at the same time? Because over the past couple years since that happened, you've been convinced that, well, we can't do that. Why? Because either we can or we can't. Not that there might be some other way to do things. Let's talk about breaking free from this. And why it's not exactly pleasant or comfortable, or such a wonderful thing at first. I I, I can't even begin to explain to someone that hasn't experienced yet what it's like, but I will try. When most people sit down and listen to the news or a news story or listen to a political discussion with people, they find themselves either very much in agreement or in opposition because of the dichotomy. And therefore, even when you don't like what's being said, it's pretty easy to listen to it. Or just to turn it off. It doesn't really aggravate you at the highest levels. And when you're talking to a friend, well, they're just a silly Democrat. Or they're just a Republican. It's not their fault. Their dad was a Republican. And overall, I like Tom, and he's a pretty good guy. And I know he actually is generous, but he's bought into what these people on Fox say. That's how you handle it. Because you have another safe space, right? That's where the real safe spaces are. It's having one side or the other of thing to dig into. And therefore, whenever you hear Fox News say something you don't like, you can just flip over to MSNBC or vice versa. And then eventually you just stay on that one channel. And at least you can find a place that tells you what you want to hear. When you take this step and you actually think independently and you actually examine every issue with what is really the best method to handle this and you don't answer it with a talking point like, well, the private sector or government should do it because that's really what both sides do. Well, specifically, what is the best way to get this done? How do we most specifically address this? You hear, this is what you hear from both sides 95% of the time. Blah, blah, bullshit, bullshit, blah, blah, bullshit, 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 bullshit. And then there's some bullshit on top of the bullshit. And that way, we have all the bullshit to the bullshit. So then you're like, well, shit, these guys are stupid. They're talking about bullshit. So you turn over to the other side and say, "Bullshit, bullshit, 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 bullshit. And you hear the same bullshit pattern on both sides. And you see straight through it. Every single time. You know it's bullshit. You can't unknow a thing. That's what it is. Unless you have some kind of brain damage. I'm talking physical, actual brain damage. Once you really know a thing, you can't unknow it. You can forget something, but that just means you kind of remembered it. But if you know it, if you know it, you can't unknow it. Think of something you know. Not, it, it has nothing to do with dichotomy. Something you know. For instance, you know the sky is blue. Sometimes it's orange or red or cloudy and white, but you know that Earth's atmosphere creates a blue sky. that people see is blue. You know when you look up, it's going to be blue. Okay, go ahead, unknow it. Unknow it. Can't do it, can't you, right? You know that water is wet when it's in its liquid state. If you stick your hand in water, it's going to cling to your hand and be wet. Unknow that. Unknow that. You know that when you flip a light switch, as long as everything's working, the light's going to come on. Unknow it. Go ahead. You know that if it doesn't come on, there's really one of two things that could be wrong. There's a problem with the power side. There's either no electricity to it or the switch is not working. Or the light's burn out. Go ahead and unknow that. Unknow it. Go for it. And just keep going. You know that cars drive on roads. You didn't remember that. You didn't memorize that. You know that. So unknow it. You know how to get to work if you drive to work every day. You've not just memorized the route. You've actually committed it to the point of knowledge. You know how to get to work. Unknow it. Okay. When you know for real that the false dichotomy is what it is. When you know that there are thousands of options instead of two. See, it's not about all the different, well, how would we? Or what are the other options? That actually is a lot of information. And it's difficult to have even a small piece of it committed completely to not just memory, but knowledge. But when you know that when I get to this point of decision, I no longer have to pick A and B, there's a C, a D, an E, and God knows how many options. Unknow it. And this can make you miserable, if you let it. It can absolutely make you miserable. Because there's no place anymore that will just reinforce what you want to hear. You can't get it from the left, you can't get it from the right, can't even get it from me. Because I'm going to be a dick someday, and I'm going to say something you completely disagree with, and I'm going to give a well-reasoned and logical argument, and you're not going to like it, so you're going to be uncomfortable there, too. And you're going to say, Jack, you should know there's more than one option. And I probably do. I've just settled on mine. And until you become at peace with the fact that I've made my argument, now it's up to you to make your well-reasoned and logical argument, rather than say, oh, the information you got is from blah, which is ad hominem, one of the lowest forms of, of fallacy you have to actually make it, or you have to be at peace with the fact that the fact that I believe that doesn't really matter, and you have to go on with your life, it's tough at first. It's tough at first. So then the question is, well, so, okay, jerk. Jerk. Jack, you're a jerk. You've just taught me something in my heart I knew, but I didn't want to believe. You finally got me to admit it. I realize all these people are just clamoring on one side or the other. It's not their fault. They're not bad people. They've just been conditioned and programmed and trained and I that's what this is this is training and I, I think it's important to understand what training is. Training is conditioning an organism so that it can't help but to behave in a certain way under a certain set of circumstances. That's truly trained. If when you say sit your dog sits, your dog's trained. When you say sit, your dog looks at you, thinks about whether he wants to sit down or not, and then chooses to. He's tamed. And in some ways you want a dog fully trained, depending on what his job is, but sometimes a tamed dog is a better companion. Interesting, huh? But I've taught you this now. You know, you know this, and you can't unknow it. And now I've told you, it'll make you miserable. You won't be able to find a TV station you can listen to without going blah. And you'll see it in everything. Every sitcom that they write some political bullshit into, left or right, you'll see right through it. And even when you agree with it, you'll go, how does nobody else see this shit? You'll go talk to people, and they'll be like, shut up, blah, blah, blah. What good does it do you? It frees you from the pattern. It allows you to be truly independent. Most people like to believe they're independent. And they'll say they're independent. Even if we go into voting, which I've tried to stay away from because I don't vote. Um, But if they are a voter, and you say, well, what are you? Well, I'm an independent. I guarantee you, if you go through 20 elections with them, they voted 90% or more left or right. They've deluded themselves into believing that they're independent. But they want to be independent. They want to believe that they form their own opinions and things like that. So they can give a few bit of words and lip service to it and then continue to fall into the comfort of their side of the dichotomy. When you actually see the dichotomy for what it is, when you turn on the news and in 10 seconds go, I know every other word that's going to come out of this guy's mouth in the next five minutes. I know exactly where it's coming from. I know it's all bullshit. And I know that the opposition to it will also be bullshit and I can make a better argument against either side than either side can against the other side, in my sleep, then you can be independent. Then you can say, well, here's what I've realized then. Most of the people around me aren't sheep. They're zombies. There are left zombies and right zombies, and they're going to do what they're going to do. And I am not going to be able to wake that many of them up, and most of them don't want to be woken up. Remember the Matrix. Remember one of the rules they told Neo, right? One of the, one of the things they told Neo was, we've, "We've never freed a mind as old as yours." Right? Usually, it was much younger, it's less than that. But the bigger, overriding lesson: we never free a mind that doesn't wish to be freed. Never free a mind that doesn't wish to be freed. Once you realize that, hey, look. When somebody has real questions, I can talk to them about this. I can plant seeds, because that's what the Matrix was too. You saw the little glitches. Something that's not quite right. What I believe to be true really isn't. And eventually, for some, it would create enough curiosity and exploration that would lead them to basically asking, what is the truth? And then even when you got to that point, Right? Morpheus says, take the blue pill. You go back to sleep. Everything will be as it was. The questions will stop. Take the red prepared pill, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. And once you've made that decision, again, you can't unknow it, but what you can do is accept the matrix. You can accept that the majority of people do not wish to be freed from this belief system. And therefore, you can actually use this knowledge to actually discern for yourself what the best steps are to take in your own life without some false sense of a moral obligation to a cause that's never going to happen or is actually detrimental to everything you want. In the words of Richard Bach, the best way to avoid responsibility is to say, I've got responsibilities. And that's what... The dichotomy in powers. The ability to say, Well, I really want to do these things, but I can't because I'm responsible to these other things or these other moral obligations. No, you're not. This is what you're responsible to. You are first and foremost responsible to yourself. You are responsible for your own health, well being, and happiness. That's not selfish. That's being responsible. You cannot be a good father if you're a miserable prick. You can't be a good mother if you're a miserable bitch. So, if what you're doing is making you a miserable prick or a miserable bitch, but your argument is I have to do these things because I need to be a good father or mother, you have a circular logic fallacy that in itself is self defeating. Now, that doesn't mean that you might not have to do something that you don't want to do that makes you miserable for a time to keep the roof over the head and the food on the table. But if you're not actively pursuing an alternative to that, then eventually it will end in misery. Do do, do you really think it's just the government's fault that we have the divorce rate that we do today? Or do you think it's people doing things that make them miserable under the belief that it's responsible that makes them eventually hate the people that are closest to them and blame them for it. Which one do you think it really is? The government made it easy. Doesn't matter if you're miserable enough because somebody's there, you'll find a way to get away from them, whether it's easy or not. I could make a big case that it ain't as easy as you guys want to make it that it is, but it doesn't matter. Someone makes a person miserable enough, they'll turn around and shoot them in the head before it's all over with at some point. We make ourselves miserable, and then we blame the people that are closest us, closest to us for our misery. Because we do it out of false reasoning. And, and, and seeing the dichotomy actually frees you of that. Because I don't have to do this because it's this or that. Because what you don't understand is, since I'm coming at this from government viewpoint, from programming of a society, you're acting in, in your mind, many of you, as if it only applies to political issues. No, it applies to everything in your life. I either wake up today and go to the job I hate, or I don't have any money. Well, maybe one of your other options is you find a side hustle, you find a better job, you find an avenue to get out of the part of work that you hate at your job. Uh, you move to where a better opportunity is. I mean, how many things can you think of in that one scenario? But we, we, we convince ourselves to do the thing we hate, roll out of bed to the sound of eh, 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 at 4.30, and get into our mobile metal coffin and drive down the road that we couldn't have without government to a job that we don't want to give away a third or more of the product of our labor to the government that provided the road so that we could go provide the labor that we didn't want to apply. You don't think you're going to be miserable? So while breaking the dichotomy will make you unhappy at first. Not breaking it will make you miserable for the rest of your life. Now, let's talk about how to spread this type of thinking without making yourself miserable. I've experienced it myself, um, not really with this aspect of my life, but, I mean, the first time I found what I considered real spirituality um, and freedom from revealed religions... Man, i got a messiah complex. And everybody I knew that was close to me. Blah, 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 blah. And it shut down. And it just makes you miserable. Because you're like, that's not what I'm saying. And you're speaking completely articulately and clearly. And you're a good communicator. And you know what you're saying makes sense. And it's not even that they disagree with you. They're not hearing what you're saying. And then you get really, really miserable. So you keep trying to re-explain it over and over and over again. Well... When you're trying to spread this type of thing, again, you have to remember, you don't free a mind that doesn't want to be free. Not only shouldn't you do it ethically, but it's not possible. So you have to plant seeds. And those seeds are best planted with questions. Why do you believe that? And then, can you think of any other ways to accomplish that? This is a very hard thing to do, to say that. Very hard. Here's why. What you want to do is you want to give the person an example of another way that's different than their way. Because that is what the mind is... Again, we're back to that dichotomy. You gave me an A, I'm going to give you a B. You said gold, I'm going to show you silver. You said fiat, I'm going to show you crypto. You said coke, I'm going to show you Pepsi. You said pen, I'm going to show you pencil. It's a computer, I'm going to show you tablet. Right, That's how we think. But what happens in the mind of the person who doesn't even want to come out of that intransposition? when you say well another way we could address that is you are now B I'm A, you're B, you're wrong I must defend my position Okay? can you think of any other ways that we might be able to accomplish that other than what you've just suggested do you know what nobody wants to say to that question Do you know what the one-word answer no one wants to give to that question? No. I can't. I can't think of any other way that we could possibly do this. Because they look stupid, don't they? And we don't like looking stupid. Now, if they know what you're doing, they very well may say no. Because as Christine showed us, when people are diametrically opposed to something and have put you in the other camp, they're totally willing to look completely illogical and stupid even when they're not. Totally willing to do it. They're willing to call people names. They're willing to scream at people, even through a keyboard. They're willing to to commit multiple fallacies that are obvious to anybody, including themselves, if they went back and read it. But if they don't know that's why you're doing it, and all you say is, can you, you know what they'll say? Well, I don't know. Maybe. Well, possibly this. No matter what they say. This is like flipping your spouse to preparedness. What do you think we could do to be prepared? I think we should go get five gallons of water. Now, the person that's thought out preparedness goes, that's insufficient, it doesn't really do much. You know what you should be saying? Great idea, let's go do that now. Let's go get it. Let's go do that. Because they take a step. Give them time to take the next freaking step. So when the person says, well, maybe this would be a better solution. Well, that's interesting. Anything else? Until you reach a point where they kind of start to shut down. Change the subject. Ask them about the football game that's coming up. Remember what I said. Once you know something, you can't unknow it. Without being direct, what you've just taught them is, there's more than two answers to this problem. There's more than two answers to this problem. The the, the answers aren't either steal some money and fix it, or steal more money and fix it, and if you're concerned about it enough, you'll come down on the side of more. So no longer the two answers. The two answers are not either society does it or screw it and let whoever wants to do it. There are other options. Even if the other options they give you aren't the options that you're trying to get them to see as a voluntarist-minded person or a libertarian-minded person. Even if they're just less socialist or less fascist, as long as the idea was actually theirs, something magic starts to happen. Again... The way you know that the sky is blue. The way you know that a car starts when you turn the key if everything's working properly. You can't unknow that. You can't tomorrow sit in a car and go, I have purposely forgotten how to start this thing. Now again, we have a m don't nitpick stupidity. You can have a mental damage you know, whether it's disease or physical injury, something can happen to your mind that no longer lets you access that. But short of that, if you know something, you know it. Well, now they know. And it will start to be that little glitch in the matrix. That little place where you saw the same cat twice in a row. Or that little place where the person kind of blurred in and out of focus, metaphorically speaking, of course. And then that becomes annoying. And I want to rectify it. And this is where you have to let go. You may get chances to plant more seeds. But sooner or later, they're going to take the blue pill or they're going to take the red pill. And once they do, it's pretty much done. The person that truly decides, I have seen that this is wrong, but it's so uncomfortable that I'm going to choose to put myself back to sleep before I know more, is almost impossible to ever bring back to that point of decision a second time. Maybe not as impossible as the movie, but very, very difficult. So the way you make yourself not miserable is you plant seeds, you talk about the things people are willing to talk about, and you let it go. I just did that with a guest last week. We had Bailey on about cryptocurrency. I thought I was getting an expert on cryptocurrency. I did not. I got a journalist who thought cryptocurrency was interesting and made a project around it. But eventually, if you remember during that interview, if you heard it, she started getting into the world of white privilege and kind of the social justice thing and what government did for her. And I pointed out a few little things about it. And I said, well, we'll just talk about these other things. If you don't think that shit's banging around in her head and she's trying to figure out how to justify it, you're wrong. Now, Will she decide to swallow the blue pill and go back completely to sleep? Maybe. I don't think so, because someone's talking about going off-grid, because I like that part of being an anarchist, who clearly then doesn't know what anarchism is. Um, But they're they're asking questions that are going to make those glitches more and more visible. And eventually, if you walk that path long enough, you, you only end up at this same point. But that's, that's an example of you guys watching me plant that seed without having to prove that I'm right, without having to give 20 examples of how I'm right. We're saying, like, you think there's this or this. Well, here's this, 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 and this. No, just, you yeah, know, there you go. Okay, well, hmm, that's interesting. But I think if you thought about it more, you'd find some other options in this. And let's move on. That's how you keep yourself from being miserable. Now, the true freedom that comes with the acceptance of this reality is letting go of the shit that you cannot change. People talk about that all the time, prayer, serenity, all this other shit, you know but they don't do it. This is true circle of influence, circle of concern. If your opinion is not going to sway whether or not something's going to happen, then your focus needs to be what is going to happen and how do I respond to it for the best of myself, and those that I care about. That makes you a truly liberated and free and productive person. Because remember, the concept that, well, if we did this or we did that, everything would be perfect is just, it, it, it's, 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 it's illogical. I could set you completely free in a hunter-gatherer paradise where all the food you could ever need is available, the temperature's perfect all the time, there is no government, there's only you and a small band of people that all agree on everything, it's still going to rain sometimes when you didn't plan for it. You're still going to have maybe a weather event that blows shit down. right? There's still going to be adversity. Freedom is not freedom from adversity. Freedom is not freedom from failure. Freedom is the ability to look at the situation and respond to it on your own terms under the best of circumstances you can at the time. No matter what the adversity is. where that adversity is a lion trying to eat you, or a government that's run amok. Real freedom is in the mind. And this recognition of the false dichotomy is actually the first step to that freedom. And those that have been around a lot longer and listened to this show from the very beginning know there's multiple steps in full freedom. But once you once you see the dichotomy, there's no other place to go. You know, I want to give you some final thoughts on this. The most important thing to understand is a, a system based on control. And I think what's hard for people to understand, the hardest part of this to understand, is that the people in power don't care which side you pick, only that you pick a side. And you might think, well, no, because if enough people picked one side, that side would win out. So whatever side the elitist is really on, They want their side to get there. No, 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 no. No. You're, you're, you're like the person that, that sits in the audience that thinks the guy that made the girl disappear in the, in the box really made her disappear. The magician knows exactly how the trick is done. They only care that you buy into the illusion. They don't even care that many of you know that the illusion is only an illusion. They just care that you can't figure out how it happens. That it, it causes some sort of a reaction you. How the hell did he do that? I mean, we all know when we watch David Copperfield make the Statue of Liberty disappear, it's still there. But nobody wants to accept the fact that it's just as simple as all the people that you saw in the video were in on it, and they just moved the camera. Because that's how he did it. Now, you have to understand that the real elitist isn't David Copperfield that would be our politician and all the people that were part of it that would be the lobbyists. They're the network that moved the camera. And they don't really care that half of the people won't tune in as long as they tune into something else. And when they tune into things that are in opposition to each other, you have a perfect division. And here's what they know. They accept the law of averages. They know that if you give people only two choices... That in general society will split fairly evenly. Fairly evenly. And then at some point, you know, one side might be a sixty percent versus a forty, but it won't be but, but since nobody will ever be happy, and everybody will always blame the side that's in power for the unhappiness, it'll just swing back the other way. And sooner or later it'll reach a point where it barely moves. And elections will be decided by like, you know, one or two points. Hmm. Interesting, isn't it? This is the system of control. So you have a choice. You can keep being controlled by this system, or you can just look at the system and go, well, that's, that's, that's a nice little system you have there. Be ashamed if somebody ignored it. Be ashamed if somebody just ruined it, just said, I don't think I'm going to play this game anymore. And since we've referenced a lot of pop culture today, how about war games? Interesting game it seems the only way to win is not to play. Don't play the game. Focus on your life. Focus on your freedom. Focus on your happiness. If anybody tells you that you are selfish for focusing on your own personal happiness, you're talking to a selfish person. Find someone else to talk to. With that, I hope you enjoyed today's show, and uh, please consider sharing this show with others. It's not I, some, you know when I first started the show, I used to ask all the time, share the show, share the show. I, I don't do that as much anymore. So if you want this show to grow, if you know people that you think could benefit from seeing things the way we discuss them today, share this show with them, and, and don't even be afraid to say, hey, jump straight to you know ten minutes in or whatever it is, or you know what have you, so that they don't have to listen to the kind of the stuff that's for the main audience at the beginning or what have you. Now, another way that you can support this show if you like the work that we do is by doing your online shopping at tspaz.com. tspaz.com, you get on over there, and you can get over to Amazon and see the deals of the day uh, from Amazon, and you can also see the items that we review on a daily basis. Today's item is an encore item. That means it's an item that I've reviewed in the past and I'm bringing back around. Um, this was one of the best-selling items of 2016 and all the items that I reviewed. And it really, um, I had zero negative comments on it except one. And that was, it broke. I contacted the manufacturer. They said, throw that bad part away. It should have never failed and sent me a new one. The product is the WorkSharp Knife and Tool Sharpener Ken Onion Edition. And this is a fantastic tool. It basically works like a very expensive knife sharpener works that a bladesmith would use in a much smaller, easier-to-use format with nice guides for your ankles. And my experience with this was, you know, last year, early in the year, people were asking me for, you know, easy knife sharpening tools. And I'm like, you need to get stones and learn how to use stones, or you need to get an expensive belt sharpener. All these things that you're dragging knives through and, and stuff like that, you know, they don't work and or they damage knives. And you know you can use things like a sharpening steel and whatever, but that's really like you have to have an edge, and you you never let it really go dull, and you use it to maintain an edge. You can maintain an edge almost infinitely with a steel. That's why you see that guy sitting there, you know, carving off pieces of uh, prime rib at the buffet, and he sits there for hours, carving you know, carving prime rib after prime rib after prime rib, and he can still shave a you know like a, a wafer thin slice because it's a cheap buffet. That's why, because he just keep, every time he cuts, he hits the steel, never goes dull. But all everything else, it's either a stone, you have to learn the technique, or it's an expensive belt sharpener. But if you find something, send it to me. Well, one of the listeners found this workshop, gave it a shot, emailed me and said, Hey, man, uh, I bought this thing, kind of felt the same way you did, figured it was on Amazon, I could return it. Tried it. Took a little bit of getting the hang of it. Once I got the hang of it, I went through every knife in my house, Everything's you know, hair shaving sharp now. And, you know, about once a month, I go through and resharpen everything, and I keep everything razor sharp now, and it's easy, and it works. So I got one. And um, I, I took some really crappy knives to kind of learn, and I think with any knife sharpener, you should use shitty knives and learn first. And even my first knife that I ever sharpened with it, it took about 10 minutes, and I had it shaving hair off my arm. And I got to a point where I took the Santoko knife that my wife uses that's like I just gave up trying to keep an edge on it. It was basically like a butter knife, 15 minutes out of shaving hair, 15 minutes out of shaving hair, and probably the third knife I sharpened with it. Since then, I've gotten better with it. I've had this thing about a year now. I love it more now than the day that I bought it. And every time I use it, I'm grateful that I have it. If you want to keep your knives really sharp, you're willing to put a little bit of skill practice in, You know, get some cheap knives and give them a shot. Then uh this is the way to go. I mean, I look at it this way. I used to go to this farmer's market. Guy charged five bucks to sharpen a knife, ten bucks for a big one. This thing, the 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 canned onion edition, which is like the premium edition, 130 bucks. How many knives do you have to sharpen with it before you get your money back? Thirteen big knives and you're even. Make it fourteen to come up on the electricity. And how many? How often do you need a really sharp knife? How many knives in your house do you wish were sharp that aren't? Check this thing out. I think you'll like it. Work sharp knife and tool sharpener. Can Onion Edition. I also have a kind of bare-bones one. It's only 69 bucks. That's the one the guy that wrote in uh, said he used, and he, he liked it, and I could see that it would work. I think the more expensive one is worth the extra money, though. So check it out. Remember, you can always support us no matter what you buy, as long as you do your online shopping through tspaz.com. That brings us to our song of the day. First, I want to apologize for yesterday's song of the day. I, I don't know what happened, uh, and it was odd because it was an Ozzy Osbourne song called Time. And I had made the point that Ozzy Osbourne wasn't Satan, and somehow the version of it I got ended up slowed down like to half speed, and it sounded all freaking satanic. I'm going to play that song in a future episode so that it gets a proper hearing. Going back and fixing the episode now, it's really not worth doing. I'll leave it there so it's humorous, Okay. Um, but this song is actually also called Time, but it's by Pink Floyd. Here's some stuff from Song Facts on Pink Floyd. This song is about how time can slip by, but many people do not realize it until it's too late. Roger Waters got the idea when he realized he was no longer preparing for anything in life, but was right in the middle of it. He had just turned 28. When the band came up with the concept for the album, the idea was to explore the pressures of life throughout the songs. This song takes on the topic of mortality. The song starts with layers of clock noises that were put together by their engineer, Alan Parsons. Each clock was recorded separately at an antique store, and the the band blended them together. Parsons wanted to use the clocks to demonstrate the new quadraphonic sound system, but they ended up using it to open the song instead. This was the only song on Dark Side of the Moon which all four members received writing credit. The Dark Side of the Moon album has sold about 40 million copies, and holds an unassailable record for most weeks on Billboard's 200 Albums Chart with 889 weeks last time we checked. It entered the chart in March of 1973 when the album was issued, dropped out in 1974, but then returned from time to time, including an 11-year run from 1977 to 1988 when it didn't leave. Various reissues and publicity campaigns goose it back into the chart every so often. For example, in 2014, the Google Play Store sold the entire album for 99 cents, pushing it up to number 13. Truly one of the greatest groups of all time with their song, Time. I think you can see the correlation between this album or this song and the show that we've done today, how time can slip by. If you're spending your time engrossed in a false dichotomy. Time slipping by. Time that could be spent, that could be spent furthering your dreams and your goals and your aspiration and making you happy is being spent by some misguided belief that you have some allegiance to some group of people that are supposedly leaders that don't even really give a shit about you and your family. They care about their power and they care about control. And again, they don't even care If you support them, they just care that you pick either their side or the other guy's side, because either way, they can control you. Don't let it happen. Choose the side of freedom, independence, and liberty, and make time work for you. With that, this has been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough, or even if they don't.